This is the Better Pastor Podcast, where we focus on the skills you need to pastor better. Seminary didn't prepare us for everything, so let's keep learning and growing together. Today I have a conversation with my friend, Pastor Patrick Cross, who pastors at North Valley Bible Church in Northern Utah. And today we have a conversation about evangelism and specifically making time for evangelism in pastoral ministry. Patrick practices what he preaches. I think you're really going to enjoy this. All right, Patrick, what does it mean to make time for evangelism and why is it important in pastoral ministry? Okay. Um, what does it mean? I think it it means that you you're you're intentional and that you carve out really specific time during your week that's for evangelism. Um, the second thing that I think that that what it means is that you're specific with setting goals, both short term and long term goals. That um, if to take time, you've got to have some kind of plan set. And so whether it's, um, you know, I'm going to hand out four tracks this week or whether it's I'm going to um, walk my dog on the same path, you know, where I know I'm going to run into the same people or I'm going to go to the same restaurant or get my groceries at the same place, you know, whatever it is, it needs to be intentional and that you set out specific time to do those things. Um, the reason I think it's important is well first of all you know it's a command that 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 the lord has given us this commission to take the gospel to everyone but you don't want to just leave it there um because it's not something that that we just do to perform another duty it's not a checklist off of our our um to do to do list or whatever like it it can be but it, it it doesn't that, that's not where you want it to be. It, you know, Second Corinthians five fourteen, Paul said, "The love of Christ it constrains or compels me because I does thus that if if all if Christ died for all, then all are dead." Mm-hmm. And so, I you know that, that's why I think it's very important not just to keep the commandment, but also it it, it keeps you motivated by love for the lost. Um, Another reason why it's important, I hope I don't go too long here, but um, it, it really keeps you dependent on the Holy Spirit. Uh, when Paul got to the city of Athens, it says that his spirit was stirred in him when he saw that the city was totally given over to idolatry. And, you know, it, it, it just kept him sharp. Um, and then, you know, he wrote to Corinthians and he said, when I came to you, I didn't have excellent speech and, and all those, you know, great oratory skills, he said, but... I was dependent totally on the Holy Spirit. And so evangelism, it 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 takes it out of, of your abilities and it and and it you have to rely on on the, the spirit of God. And so I think, you know, as a pastor, uh it it keeps your heart sensitive toward people and passionate. It keeps you sensitive to a lost world around you, uh, like in Acts 17, and it keeps you dependent um on the Holy Spirit. And and then lastly, you know, your church is going to pick up on your heart. Mm. And if a pastor is not passionate 
you're you're going to have a congregation that's not passionate about this about souls. You know, Paul said, you know, I do all things so that I can save some in First Corinthians eleven thirty three, and then the very next verse in chapter eleven, I think it's ten thirty three, and then eleven one, he says, "Be a follower of me, even as I am a follower of Christ." Well, so that would be my answer. Yeah, well, those are all amazing motivations uh, to be involved and make time for evangelism. Now, we already started down this road, of course, uh, because you're a good pastor and you're using scripture in your answers, but what <laughs> what more do you have as far as what, what scripture has to say about the importance of making time to evangelize? Um, you know, I, I, I never thought of this verse as a, a priority to evangelize until, until, you know, you asked me some of these questions and, and to be thinking about this, but we think of Mark 8 as a where Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. We, we think of that as an evangelistic appeal to the lost. But the next verse says, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But then Jesus says, whoever will lose his life for the sake of the gospel. And so I, you know, I think you know, when I decide that a following that I'm going to follow Jesus and, 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 and I come to that point and that crossroads in my life, I remember when I was reading through the gospels as a, as a teenager, I was a lost person, went to church all the time, but I began to understand what Jesus was calling me to. And so for sal for, you know, salvation isn't just to save me from <laughs> the penalty of my sin, but it's to save me to unto something else. Mm. And, and, and I am not just saved to, to enjoy my spiritual life. I'm, I'm taking up the cross to, to proclaim the gospel. And um, that, that kind of hit me um, when, when I was thinking about that this week. And then, you know, um, another scripture passage that, that really, you, you think of a pastor, you, I, I think of Timothy and Paul writing to Timothy as a young pastor and, and he gives about five imperatives. And the first one is to preach the word. But the, the word that is used there means to be a public herald. And then he finishes the, all that list of commands. You know, one of, is to exhort, one is to, 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 to expose things, to rebuke. And then he, he finishes that with one last command, and, it, and that's to do, and that's an imperative again, to do the work of an evangelist. So, you know, it's, it's not an option for, for a pastor. It's, it's, it's a mandate. Hmm. It, yeah. It keeps pastors from looking at Ephesians four, where it says God gave some pastors and teachers and some evangelists. And, you know, it keeps a pastor from saying, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm just a pastor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then you turn over to, uh, yeah, like you said, Paul's instruction to Timothy, and well, a pastor is commanded to do the work of an evangelist, which is pretty astonishing. Yes, yeah, and, and you're right. You know, I, I this is the first time that I've been in a, a, the position to be a full time pastor. I've always been bivocational, and um, and I had to check myself because I go to Ephesians four almost to rationalize why I'm not doing as much evangelism mm -hmm. as I used to, and I think, well, you know, I'm equipping others to go out and do it, which is, which is our priority. Yes. But that doesn't, um, that doesn't exempt us from also doing the work of the evangelist. That's right. 
Well, this part of the interview is where we start to transition now going from big picture theory to now let's get closer to application and open more of an open-ended question, but what are the factors that a pastor must keep in mind as he considers how to make evangelism a part of his regular ministry rhythm? Okay. Um, I think it, it needs to start with our prayer life. And um, when you're praying about something, it, it helps you to be intentional. And so I, I go to Colossians chapter four, where Paul says, you know, with all praying, praying also for me that God would open a door for the word that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak and, and make this mystery known for which I'm in chains. And then he says um, to walk in wisdom toward those who are outside the Christian family, redeeming the time and letting your speech be seasoned with salt. And I, I know from my own personal life that when I am praying about something or praying for someone, um, I'm much more active in, in thinking how I can uh, be a part of that, that answer to prayer. So we're to pray for open doors, but as we're praying for open doors, then I think we start to notice open doors um, because if we're not praying, we just sometimes walk right by them, the opportunities, and we don't see them. Um, the other night, um, my dog, he's a, he's a nutcase, and, and he <laughs> tore a couple boards off our, our fence. And um, it was 830 at night. I was, the last thing I wanted to do is go out and look for this dog. But uh, before I did, I, I just started, I just prayed and I said, Lord, um, I'm going to bump into somebody I know because I'm going to be walking up and down our street hollering for this, this dog. Mm. And, uh, and sure enough, I got down to the corner and uh, a man came outside and he says, you got a white dog? And I said, yeah, his name's Clancy. And he said, I saw him here about 10 minutes ago. And he, he says, let me go get my nephew. You know, and the two of them went out with me. Now I would have, you know, never met this guy, but if I don't think if I had been praying before I left, I wouldn't have thought, okay, this could be an opportunity. Now, I, I found the dog and it was too late at night to knock on his door. So I was walking by his house the next day and just knocked on the door and, and, um, and said, Hey, I wanted you to let you know that I found, found my dog. I said, you know, I said, I wanted to thank you. You know, that I said, I've gone out and searched for this, you know, nut of a dog. But I said, you're the first person that's come outside and offered to help. And, and I, and I, I was probably a little bit more bold than normal. I said, I said, you wouldn't happen to be a Christian. And he looked at me kind of peculiar and he says, no, he says, I'm not sure. He says, I'm Catholic. And <laughs> he says, but you know, I, I've been going to mass and I, and I just, I've almost got to the point where I don't want to go because I don't even know what they're talking about. And, and it's just like, we're, we're kind of going through the motion. He says, I've been thinking about going, visiting a different church. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I said, I'm a pastor. I, and he says, can you come in? And we had about a 15 minute conversation about the gospel and he says i really want to know more so last week i took him up a book um more than a carpenter i mm -hmm. said just just give this a read i said you know and i'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll we'll have a chat about it um but you know so as you you're praying then you notice open doors and then when you notice them you take advantage of them mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, Ephesians 4 or Ephesians 5, it says to be awake, to be alert and to walk circumspectly. And it means just taking notice of, of 
details or little things around you. Um, so I think those are some of the factors that a, a pastor can take in um, to, to make it a natural part of your life. Um, because it doesn't have to be, you know, earlier I said, you know, set goals, but I, I think, you know, evangelism should be just as much, not just goal setting, but spontaneous as you just live out your natural Christian life. And that that's, that's pretty much what I did when I was a missionary in Ireland. Um, you know, every day there was opportunities to evangelize. And I remember I'm probably going a little bit long here, but, um, I, I used to get a ride from my neighbor and we drove past a cemetery and um, in Ireland, I never realized this, but, but uh, he, 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 you know, blessed himself. He you know, did the sign of the cross as we passed the cemetery and he looked over at me and he says, he says, Pat, you wouldn't bless yourself as you go past the cemetery. And I says, no, Eamon. I said, I, I don't need to. He says, really? What do you, and I said, well, you know, Ephesians um, chapter one, verse three says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And I says, Amen, I have got every blessing because I'm in Christ. I said, let me explain to you what that means. And for the whole 15 minute drive into the, our work, we just talked. And then I got out of the car and I felt kind of bad because I kind of just was just, you know, preaching the gospel to this guy. And I said, you know, Amen, I said, I'm sorry for just, you know, just unloading on you. He says, you know, I got more out of that car ride than I've ever gotten out of mass. <laughs> so, but, you know, just little things like that, that, um, that just happen naturally, you know, that, that, you know, um, give you those opportunities. So I think, you know, some of those are the factors you got to consider to make evangelism part of just regular ministry and the rhythm of life. Hmm. And just having our eyes open, it sounds like is a, is a big part of it. Amen. Well, you, you've shared several stories. Do you have any other interesting stories from your own experience with seeking to make time for evangelism within pastoral ministry? Yeah, I, I've got a, a really just a, a, a neat story. Um, it's a, a neighbor, and it's 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 ongoing. Um, uh, he's uh, about the age of my oldest son, and and Tracy and I walk past their house, uh, you know, regularly, and we would we would chat with him and talk, and um, then I got, I found out that he was um, uh, a bishop of uh, the LDS ward that's in our neighborhood, and um, so we intentionally you know made more time to visit and to invite them to our home and um they invited us up and we got talking about uh, our son who's a pilot and he and he's a pilot and so there was a, a common bond there and then um he's also you know very interested in, in the military and so i just told him that my son was a, a ex-navy seal and he got so excited and he said you know um my missionary partner that went to Africa with, when he finished his mission, he went into the Navy and he became a Navy SEAL. And I said, man, I've got to bring Michael up here to meet you when he's in town. So my oldest son came in and we went down to talk to him. And he, and, uh, and so he, he, he gives this guy's name. It's just, it was, it was initials. I can't remember if it was JP or something like that. And, and so he says, Michael, would you happen to know him? Now there's, you know, there's probably 2000 active Navy SEALs right now. Yeah. And Michael says, he's on my SEAL team. Mm. And so he gets on the phone and calls him up. He's living in Southern Utah now and, and um, hands the phone to Michael. And the first thing that he asks Michael, he says, Michael, are you still religious? 
<laughs> Michael said, no, I'm not religious. He says, but I still have a, a love for Jesus. He says, well, that's what I wanted to ask you. He says, I'm starting to ask a lot of questions about my LDS faith. And here's the, you know, they're having this conversation in the presence of this bishop and put him on the phone. Um, but, uh, and, and that was just, you know, that kind of sparked a conversation with them about the difference between what we believe. Hmm. And then, um, our families have become have come close, and and my youngest son, um, last summer, two summers ago, qualified for the steeplechase finals in the Olympic trials, and so we sent him a video of Jordan finishing a race and and inter and being interviewed, and Jordan just gives a clear presentation of the gospel. Well, it just opened an entire conversation, hmm. and so you know, uh, these are just things that are that that are you know. Um, that, that are happening, you know, right around our neighborhood that, that, you know, that, um, that just, you, you know, that, that God's at work and, mm -hmm. and behind the scenes and, and just to be a, to be a part, you know, that, you know, one plants and other waters, but to watch God, you know, as the husbandman of that garden working in people's hearts, it's, it's, it's exciting. Now you mentioned earlier, being vocational now in ministry has changed right. changed your approach basically where you've had to just adjust your mindset and the way right. you go about making time right. for evangelism right. in your neighborhood there have you like knocked on doors i mean what, what has been your way of of cracking back into a more regular evangelistic rhythm beyond maybe just the keeping your eyes open day to day have you have you done anything like that where you're you're specifically going to do X Y Z in your neighborhood or wherever in any given week. Um, that's a, a good question. Uh, not in the sense that, um, like you said, like 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 you know, knocking on doors or um, setting up. You know, when when we first moved here, I was bivocational and I did knock on all the doors of our neighborhood hmm. and. Um, and I was going to do a Bible study. Um, it's called, um, uh, the, it's from based on the gospel of Mark, um, the, the gospel explained or something mm. like that. And so I gave out invitations and didn't get a, uh, a very good response. Um, uh, and, and which is not too surprising. And so it kind of made me rethink, um, the way we do evangelism in our neighborhood. And it's, it's really, um, my wife is really good at this. She'll invite people over for dinner. And we had almost every one of our neighbors over for dinner. And, and through that conversations just come up naturally. And, and it's, it's really what Matthew uh, 10, where Jesus said, be wise as a serpent, but be harmless as a dove. And so we're, you know, we're wise in that, that we have got a, a strategy and a plan when we invite people over but we're we're not just you know going from um, dinner to let me give you the you know the Romans road right uh, um, and and there's nothing wrong with that you know giving someone the Romans road it, but I think a lot of times we rush evangelism. I read a book uh, it was called Sharing Your Faith Naturally. Uh, it was downers grove i can't remember who the publisher is or, or even the author is but it's um it's, it, the title was living proof sharing your faith naturally and there was one comment i got out of that book that really stuck with me and 
that is that in, in the Western world, we think of evangelism as an event. Mm. But in the Eastern world, evangelism, and especially with Jesus, it was more of a process. Now, conversion is an instantaneous reaction and, and surrender to and, and faith in Jesus. But there's a lot of things that that move up toward that point. And, and one of the examples in his book was, was Nicodemus, you know, that it, in chapter three, hmm. he um, is coming to Jesus because there's uh, that, that understanding that, that who Jesus is. And then in, later on, Nicodemus defends Jesus. And then at the end of the gospel, Nicodemus goes to the cross and, and takes the body of Christ and helps Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus. And so, you know, that was a, a probably, you know, a three-year process. Um, and, you know, in Mark's gospel, he talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a man planting the seed in the ground, and you don't harvest the same day you plant the seed. That's right. <laughs> and so I think it's changed, you know, not, it's changed my, my, my thinking that, that sometimes I do get to, to pick the fruit and, and when it's ripe, um, for example, you know, um, a year ago, Tracy and I had a, a couple over for dinner. The, the man had gone out and bought a Bible. Him and his wife were reading the Gospels daily. And, and we sat down and in, that, in, in that conversation that night, he placed his faith in Christ. Mm. Now, that was a, a very unusual. That doesn't very have, happen very often. And he's a, now he's a member of our church. Um, and that, that was the, the rare. And so I think you just you you just use a lot of wisdom, you know, in, in, in how you do evangelism, um, and, and what, what works. Hmm. Sorry for ram- kind of rambling there. No, that's fine. That's fine. Well, this is maybe where a lot of pastors have a, a hard time analyzing or just self-evaluation here, knowing if they're doing enough. So how can, or is it even possible for yeah. a pastor to know if he's doing enough in the area of evangelism? Yeah, I I really don't know if you can ever know if you're you're doing um, enough in the area of, of evangelism. I, I I have three kind of questions, three questions that I ask myself that kind of keeps me in check. One of them: Am I being purposeful in evangelism? Um, and so, and and that uh, you can you know um, discern that. Um, by what are your priorities? Um, are you prepared when you leave the house? You know, I, I don't ever want to leave the house without a track in my pocket mm. or even a, a new Testament in my, in my coat pocket. Um, yesterday after church, um, my son's got a, a Honda S2K and it's got, needs a ton of work. And, um, he's been trying to work on it in the, in the driveway of our car, uh, of our house. And it's not been successful. He's got to drop the engine. And so, so Tracy, my wife asked, um, a man, if, uh, we could borrow his garage, he's got a, a, a garage for working on cars and, um, we were willing to, you know, to, to rent it from him. He says, no, no, no. I know Brendan, then he can do it for free. And so anyway, after church, um, Brendan, went over there and started working on his car and I walked in and there was a man standing there and he begins to tell me, you know, some of his history in life. And so, you know, I had my, my Bible in my pocket and because the conversation just, I, I mean, it, 
it was an, an incredible. He started to, to open up to me and talk, telling me about somebody who had just taken their life. And he says, I, he says, I've just, he says, this first time in my life, I started to pray to God. Wow. It made me think, okay, there's got to be more to life in this. And so I just kind of walked him through some verses and, and, um, uh, and, and so, you know, so one of the things that, that I can ask myself, am I being purposeful? You know, when I, when I go down to, to buy an auto part, do I have a track in my pocket? Do I, you know, it's amazing. You know, people will, will, will respond to you. Um, the second thing, am I being prayerful? Okay. You know, if I'm not praying, then I know I'm not doing enough for evangelism. Um, so um, those are some of the things that I kind of evaluate my life on. And so, but I don't know if you can ever really know you know, you can put yourself on a, a guilt trip too and think, you know, uh, I'm really falling short in this area. Um, but at the same, same time, you know, we do need to, we need to, to keep ourselves honest and say, okay, can I do better? Can I, can I do more? Can I be, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times too, when I, I know when I've had an opportunity and I, and I blew it, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that those are, those are convicting times. Well, the when it comes to evangelism, the work is never done, obviously, uh, until the whole world is saved. So uh, that gives us this I, uh, this feeling of, well, we're just never doing enough because as long as we have unsaved neighbors, and we always will, we're, it's like we're just Amen. never done. Um, but it does help, I think, to remember that the results aren't up to us. And, and I'm wondering if you could maybe walk us through because earlier you mentioned making goals, you know, X number of tracks a week or or X number of conversations, however, you know, someone might make Mm -hmm. goals. You weren't envisioning results-based goals, right? Like uh, this week I need to win five souls or something like that. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, I remember my father-in-law talking to him one time about this and um, because we use that verse in, in Isaiah, and I think we use it out of context, unfortunately, but the word of God will not return void. Mm. Like somehow, if I give the the gospel to somebody that that God now is sort of obligated to to work in their heart and, and to save them. But you know, Paul says that that we are a saver. Some we are a saver of life unto life, and to others unto death. And so God's word doesn't return void. It's either going to go out to open their heart, open their eyes, or it's going to bring judgment. And, um, and I, and I gotta, we gotta remember that, that, that the Lord is glorified in our obedience and he'll be glorified in, in, in the judgment of the lost that, that, that rejected the truth. Um, so yeah, yeah, we can't set goals, you know, that I want to see three people come to, to know Christ this year. I mean, I can say I want to witness to to three people a week, yes, or to to even get into you know an evangelistic Bible study with somebody. Um, uh, but you know when I when I lived in Ireland, we saw very very little fruit. And I remember I was um, I was out on a, a canal looking at the the mountains behind me, and um, and I and I was so frustrated because I was equating fruit and and souls being saved to success. Mm. And, and I was praying this, this silly prayer. I said, God, just manifest yourself to me, manifest yourself to me. And, and the Holy spirit was so good. And he says, okay, I'll, 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 I'll manifest myself to you. And it says, he who loves me and keeps my commandments 
or he who he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Mm. And he who loves me, I will manifest myself to him. Mm. Wow. Lord, thank you. Wow. You well, show yourself by by me keeping your commandments and it, and you loving me through that, not through results. Yeah, there's a Keith Green song. I, I love listening to Keith Green still. And uh, one of the things he he wrote for one of his songs was give it your best, pray that it's blessed. Then Jesus takes care of the rest. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, The results are always up to God. You know, our job is to be faithful. Uh, yeah. So that's good. Well, as we land the plane here, what, what are some habits that pastors should form regarding evangelism in their week in week out ministry life? And uh, you know, again, just kind of wrapping up maybe some of these ideas, what have you found to work in your own ministry? Ask good questions when you're talking to people. Try to avoid, you know, questions that can be answered with a yes or a no. Get them, you know, people love to talk about themselves. So ask them questions about their past. Ask them questions about their goals. Ask them questions about, you know, the things that they love, that they're passionate about. And then secondly, be a really good listener um, a lot of times I find myself really not listening, but I'm waiting to inject something into the conversation mm. and, and I, and you miss a lot. So ask good questions, be a good listener. And then thirdly, as a, as a farmer, as a gardener in the, the, the lost world, as you're sowing seeds, be patient. Uh, you know, I started a, a Bible study with a lost man about four years ago. And he never accepted Christ. But um, when the when the Bible study was over, we've kept friendship. We've kept in contact with each other. I'll call him just, you know, every now and then and, and check on him. <clears throat> and yesterday I, I went to, to make a hospital visit. And I walked into the door and he was sitting on the other side of the room. The guy mm. that I've been And the, the lady that I was going to go see was his mom. Um, and it's kind of a, a long story how the, the, the families, be, I got to know both him, his mother and him, but that was the last person I expected to see when I went to make that visit. So, so going into the hospital, you didn't know they were related? No. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and, and I said, Kevin, I said, man, it is so good to see you. And he said, you know, I've been wanting to call you. He says, so much is going on in our world that you and I talked about that it's making me really take serious the things that you challenged me with, you know, I, because of the political climate, the, you know, the, the, the woke community that we're, we're living in when you have to be careful about pronouns you use. And, but all these things, he just said, you know, I, I'm just seeing like the, you know, the Bible being played out and he says can we start a bible study again it's so you know so those those three things you know mm -hmm. ask good questions be a good listener and and be patient you know that with with um with people that are uh that are lost because i i know just as a believer for me to to change a a a mindset something that i hold to for a long time, I am slow to change. And if you've been taught your whole life that we're the product of evolution, mm. 
man, you're not going to just change that overnight. You know, I remember when I, when I went to, you know, just thinking about a, a single pastor over a church to a plurality of elders, it, that took me about a two year process to get into my brain that that's, that's actually a biblical principle and not, you know, not a, not a Presbyterian idea, whatever, mm. you know, and, and I, I kind of resisted that, you know, because I came from a strong Baptist background where, you know, you have the pastor period, you know, and, and you have a deacon board. Mm. And then when I, you know, read a, you know, had some conversation with people and started challenging me on that, I, you know, I, my first reaction was to resist it, you know, and, and I got to remember, okay, if that's, you know, if I'm a believer and I, I have trouble accepting something that's out of my sphere of, of, of knowledge or whatever, that an unbeliever is going to have even more of a difficult time coming to faith that this man died on a cross, claimed that he was God, that he was the only way to God and that he could forgive your sin. And then he raised his body from the grave three days later. You know, when the, the people that I've seen who've come to faith in Christ, it was through a long-term study of, of the gospel of John or, or something like that, because they came to realize that you can't explain away this Jesus. You know, when I, when I worked with, with Roman Catholics, and I think this would work with anybody really, that, that if, if you can convince them that the Bible is unique, that Jesus is unique, and that his words are going to be what we're going to be judged by, then, then you, then you can start moving into, you know, real evangelism. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we, we've got to, you know, as we're being patient, we've got to, we've got to remove objections sometimes in people's mind. And you got to be wise too, because a lot of times people throw up smoke screens, mm. but legitimate barriers to their faith, you know, uh, uh, those things, you know, sometimes it's helpful to deal with those things. Um, now we're not going to have answers for everything, for, of course, um, but um, you know, being being a good apologist is, is important. Well, that's great stuff, Patrick. You know, and as you reiterated from that book, that it's more of a process, less of an event, and more of a process. And you know, our job is to be faithful. If we can really take to heart those principles, I think the Lord will will help us make a lot of progress in this area. Amen. Well, thanks so much for sharing. I mean, it's clear to me that, uh, you know, based on the stories that you have, you're practicing what you preach. So I appreciate your example, brother. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for um, uh, having me uh, speak to you because uh, it, it was sort of a catalyst for me to get kind of back on track again, too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, praise God for that. Thanks for joining Good. me today. All right.